This is Speaking with the Enemy. Yes, the show is called Speaking with the Enemy. Louis Butko getting set for the Thai Cats, taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And here to discuss is the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Bob Irvin. I mean, Derek Taylor uh, taking over, filling the shoes of the legend of Knuckles. And uh, I mean, not to, not, we all know Knuckles is a legend. We all know Bob Irving, Hall of Famer. Uh, but congratulations on this uh, this new role, my friend. Uh, could not picture anyone better suited for it. Uh, two games in, how are you feeling about it? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. They've given us exciting games or at least intriguing games to work with. Right. And that's kind of all you ask for. They, they haven't been real pretty as Jeremiah Masilli racks up over 700 yards of passing against the Bombers. But they've won both and they, it, there's no shortage of stuff to talk about. Had they been winning 30 bagel, it would have been, oh, OK, well, they're amazing. Woohoo. But now there's there's in-depth and twists and turns to go through. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, to that point, I have to think that they're happy they're undefeated in 2-0, but they, they can't be satisfied with the way that these first two games have gone for the Bombers. Yeah, the first game especially, right? They were, Coach O'Shea will describe it as, you know, hey, we got the win, that's great, but there's stuff that we need to work on. There For him, there was less stuff they needed to work on after game two than game one. So it's, you know, at least for one game over the first game, it's it's forward progress and things are looking better in these areas. So uh, you don't know if that's you know for real and it is on an uphill trend or it's just one game over another. But uh, at least for what they've done so far, didn't look great in, in game number one. We looked better in game number two. We won both games against, honestly, a, a team in the Ottawa Redblacks that looks like it's going to be really good. So I, I think when we look back at this in 14 weeks or so to go, oh, they took two from Ottawa. That's that's really, really nice. Yeah. And uh, I mean, great games and uh, great to see. Zach Caleros and, and Jeremiah Masoli go go toe to toe. And we'll get to Zach because I, I think, you know, I have a lot of respect for, for his game and what he's done in his career. But, uh, you know, his numbers so far have have been pretty pedestrian, you know, 416 yards, one touchdown against three picks. Uh, where is he compared to last season? What, what's been holding him back through these first two games An improved Ottawa defense or just just trying to work out the kinks? I think Ottawa's defense needs a real a fair bit of credit for that. Like they really timed up their blitzes quite nicely. And when they stuck with four, uh, their front four wasn't one I thought too much of coming into the season. But seeing them for, through two games against Winnipeg's uh, offensive front, I was I came away super impressed. Trey Hornbuckle was a, a total disruptor in that second game. So I, I think Ottawa's Ottawa's defense needs some love. Colaris, uh, you mentioned one touchdown. He had uh, one dropped in the end zone. So that's another one. He's also had a couple of interceptions dropped by defenders. So it's it's been uh, it's been the gunslinger style of, of Zach Calero so far this season. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's about what we expected. They got the win. They've sustained long drives. He's still accurate with the football. He likes to throw it into tight spots sometimes mm-hmm. that give you give you nerves. But you know he's he knows what he's doing. So you you take comfort in that. But uh, I think I think Zach's been off to a fine start so far. Not amazing. Not. Nathan Rourke in game number one for the BC Lions. Amazing, right? But but it's been it's been just fine. I think they're very happy with that. I think Nathan Rourke uh, matched Caleros' season uh, yardage in that first half in that first game. So, uh, yeah, Nathan Rourke is definitely putting on a show for the rest of the uh, this CFL. Um, Greg Ellingson, though, has been a nice bright spot. Ten receptions, nearing 150 yards through those first two games. Him and Zach seem to have found, for guys who have been competitors for so long in a Winnipeg, Ottawa, for guys who've gone head-to-head, they really did find some instant chemistry. How did that 
combination look through camp and through the first two games? Amazing. Amazing. Like unbelievable in the, in the first game and, and through two games you go, okay, well, where does Zach go when he he's running out of time? Oh, it's, it's Ellingson. Is Ellingson open? Not really, but it's Greg Ellingson. Right. <laughs> and the thing I don't really get is, uh, these two guys have not played together since 2014 in Hamilton. And I, I asked them both, like, have you guys ever worked out together? Like you're not from the same parts of America, but have you ever worked out together? No, just was, we just came together in camp and, uh, and it honestly, it just, it's two veterans who appear to think about the game in the same way. Uh, Coach O'Shea will talk about, you know, they're in film and they're, they're discussing, you know, this here and this is what we'll do here and boot a boop. And they just get it because right from that first game, Zach's on a scramble to his left. Oh, who just happened to pop open near the goalpost? Greg Ellingson, touchdown, spike gets into the crowd, celebrate good times. Come on. Like it's, it's remarkable. It, it looks like. I don't, it looks like they've been together for so much longer than two weeks plus a training camp that it's, it's an absolute delight for bomber fans. Yeah. And you know, that chemistry is only going to build as we work our way through an 18 game schedule Uh, back to Zach for a second, because you and I have both watched him pretty closely throughout his career. And there were questions, you know, when he got that hit from Simone week one, Game you were, I believe you were at Saskatchewan Ty Cats, uh, but he got knocked out of that game. And then there was talk about, well, is Zach Caleros always going to be one hit away that every time he takes contact, you're going to cringe a little bit. Uh, he seems to have put that behind him, an MOP last year. And the Ty Cats very complimentary of what he's able to do. Not the most mobile quarterback, but he can buy himself a few extra seconds. And like you said, just make that creative play left hand underhand shovel pass he can do it all he re- he really can and you mentioned the head injury from 2019 yeah that was literally the third play of the season traded to toronto then traded to winnipeg boom boom gray cup uh the whole of 2021 i was watching winnipeg from afar and going oh this kind of hinges on is zach healthy and we're not we don't have a defi- definitive answer to that healthy the whole season then week one of this season he needs to make a play on the final drive of the game because they're trailing the Red Blacks. He, on first and 10, second and 10, scrambles for 12 yards and takes a real nasty hit going down mm-hmm. to where the injury spotter pulled him out of the game with like 90 seconds to go. And we all thought, oh boy, it was he was slow getting up. And uh, is this a thing? And we're all, to some degree, as a Bomber fan, you're kind of waiting for, it, mm-hmm. will it happen again, right? Because we, we just get uneasy around concussions and brain injuries, and we just we just don't know as fans, right, where, where a guy truly is at. Uh, but he was ready to go back into that game. He took every snap at practice that he would normally the week following, and, he, and it just builds your confidence of like, oh, okay, that's in the past. We can just, we can, we can leave that in the past. I don't know if we can fully leave in the past, but we can leave it in the past. But once again, this season, like on a, on a numbers basis, there are there are few quarterbacks, and I don't think right now there are any that are better that from keeping pressure from turning into sacks than Zach, than Zach Caleros. For his career, it's like 11% of the time he's under pressure, he turns it into a sack. And it's without being the greatest athlete in the world, but his awareness of where he is in space and where his receivers are down the field is probably second to none in this league. One of the big storylines around this Bombers team this past offseason was moving on from Andrew Harris. And, you know, I'm sure we can debate for hours on, on you know, how they handled it or, or how both sides are coming out of it. But they made a decision to move on from Andrew Harris because they were confident in the guys they have. And to be fair, what we've seen through the first two games, 
pretty solid numbers, especially early on in the season, you know, 60 yards, 50 yards, I believe uh, Augustine and Oliviera have that. Is that their plan? Is that a, is it a one-two punch they want to roll with all season? Or do you think one guy will eventually maybe rise to the top? I think since they'll probably, and this is my guess, the first two mm-hmm. games carried both guys on the roster. My feeling is they'd love to carry two guys on the roster for the whole season. And last week we saw Oliveira, I believe it was 14 carries, and Augustine had risen to seven carries, right? So a two-to-one ratio. And both guys had, had production in different ways. I think that's probably... My guess is that's their plan. They won't tell us their plan, right? But my, my belief is if you have two guys that can contribute and can do so from the same position in slightly different ways, why, why would you not take advantage of that, right? It doesn't have to be uh, a, a one-horse town, as it were. We saw for the first time this past week, both guys show up in formation at the same time, and you think, oh, okay, well, what could Buck Pierce, the offensive coordinator, do with a little of that? So – uh, my impression, it's been Brady Oliveira, number one at, at camp, at practice all season long. He's been number one in every game. Uh, but Augustine's a number two. And when they opened up a crease for him in the, well, it was actually a pretty big hole. When they opened up a big hole for him in the Ottawa game at Ottawa, boom, 24 yards, first down. Like, oh, okay, we, we need some of that. So let's, let's just keep that around. Keep that in our pocket. Johnny Augustine, I will uh, let our listeners know, a former one-time high school uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? A classmate of mine at uh, Notre Dame High School in Welland, Ontario. So I wanted to get that shout out in for our friends at Welland, Ontario, where also Chris Van Zyl played uh, his high school ball. So a little connection there. Um, the kicking game has been a conversation for this Bombers team for a couple of seasons now. They're going with Legio and for everything, for all three aspects of the kicking game. That's a lot of kicking to put on one guy, especially with a lot of pressure in a city like Winnipeg, but he seems to have done an admirable job through the first two games. Four of four on field goals, one of three on converts. Guess which one we're focusing on as bomber fans. The converts. Yeah, exa- exactly. So uh, I, if you follow me on Twitter at DT on OB, I'll put out kicker. It's basically how many points was a kicker supposed to get mm. based on the kicks you asked him to make, right? Because if you, if you ask him to kick a 50-yarder and you ask him to kick a 20-yarder and you go, well, he's, he, he missed one and he made the other. Well, yeah, those are dramatically different kicks that are made at different rates. So Legio for the season is about a point, 1.2 points, below what you would expect from an average kicker. And it's based off those, those convert misses, right? If you're supposed to make them 90% of the time and you don't. Okay. The, the, the high, the good point for me is that they were converts, right? They weren't field goals that he missed. So I go to the base. It was one point and not three points. And at no point has it been crippling to them. Um, It's it. I mean, there's, there's a confidence thing in there that kickers have to have that I could never possibly sustain. And, and you just go, this is a, it's 32 yards, just bap it through the uprights and let's move on. It's almost, we feel like it should just be predetermined, but it's just been, you know, wide a couple of times. I honestly, just from his college, his college career, I have a ton of confidence in Mark Leggio. His punting in game number one was phenomenal. Uh, his kickoffs in the preseason were better than his kickoffs have been thus far. But I, I feel like they, they would love it to be Leggio for all three for the full season to the point where, uh, they only brought back Ali Mortada from last season. They haven't gone to market or that we know tried to mm-hmm. recruit one of the guys who's in the NFL circles right now, Hyralahu or Maher or anybody like that. I, I think they'd like it to be Legio, and I, I, I think he's got it. I think I honestly think he does. So uh, I, I have high hopes for him, and and uh, 
looking for what he can do against Hamilton on Friday. Do you get the sense that kickers are over scrutinized in football? Because <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, because the one thing, like when you have a kicker who misses a kick and you talk to the, their teammates after the game and say, that was one play that wasn't made because if you, we talk about dropped interceptions or dropped touchdowns or those plays do not get the scrutiny that a missed convert or a missed field goal sometimes get. Do we over scrutinize kickers in this league and in football in general? Yeah, because we have this perception of, well, you've only got one job to yeah. do. How can you not do the one thing you're being paid to do? Come on. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely unfair. And and we I, for me, we kind of use the wrong metrics to look at it. Right. People will go to, well, Mark Leggio was only five of eight last year on field goals. That's 63 percent. That's a bad number. And then I go, well, do you know his average field goal attempt last year was 10 yards further than the average CFL field goal attempt? The average field goal attempt in the league last year was 35 yards. Legio's average attempt last year was 45 yards. Down. But when you send out the kicker from 45, as a fan, you go, this probably goes in. But if it doesn't, I get it. And that's first kick off the bench his entire career. Go make one from 50, Mark. And he made one from 50. So we've yeah. seen it with him. And, and yeah, we're, we are totally unfair with, yeah. it with our kickers, but it's because we just, we just don't see them very often. And we think of the best ones, right? Here, Justin Medlock, Ottawa, Lewis Ward has been rock solid. Renee Paredes is going to the Hall of Fame one day in Calgary, right? Um, yeah, it's, that's a hard life. Yeah. And and kickers are always great people and they always have great attitudes. And I always love chatting with them on the sidelines because you do have a lot of time to chat with kickers at practice on the sidelines. Cause you know, I mean, unless they're doing special teams days um, before I let you go, DT, I want to get your thoughts on the tie cats. They have an 0 two start to the season got significantly better from game one to game two, from the O line to the receivers making their catches but game didn't go the way they wanted it to. Uh, outside perspective, what have you seen from the Ticats uh, so far in their 0-2 start? Turnovers are just crushing them, right? Like four interceptions. Uh, Dane's got, what, four fumbles, three that he's lost. The, I don't know about the Titus Wall one that went for a touchdown. I don't know. That one, that one seemed – I get what the CFL sees on that one, but I'm not sure I'm in love with it because we're trying to protect quarterbacks, and it looked like he had it. So – even if you discount that one, it's still a lot of turnovers or turnover worthy plays in, in the first few weeks. And then uh, watching the Calgary game, I was doing it till about 3 a.m. last night. And it, it, it was it, it appeared to be a lot of one raid bang, one raid bang, one raid bang. And then, oh, here's a deep shot, and an amazing catch by Tim White for a touchdown. Um, I, I think I'm curious to see what it looks like if if a team forces Dane to stretch the ball a little more. I think I have his average depth of target being six yards mm. and the league average is, is nine and a half or so. Right. So it's been constantly short stuff underneath with a sprinkling of the deep stuff that can go well or can go the one he targeted for Braylon Addison going left to right last week. Um, I. I've never been the biggest Dane Evans guy. I'm, I'm still waiting to see it. Uh, and he, in a, in a team that does not appear to really want to run the ball through the running back, they'd rather throw it. I admire a team that wants to throw it so much, but I, there, there needs to be a little extra for, for my taste for Dane. And uh, Addison is obviously a top-level receiver in this league. Steven Dunbar, man, the way he took Nick, uh, Nick Marshall to the house in week one. Wow. Like, oh, okay. Well, that's, that's lingering out there. That's a... Uh, that's a top five, top 10 yardage receiver in the CFL. Okay. 
the whites. Oh, we're going to run Tim white from running back or Pappy white from running back. That's they have the real opportunity to mess with teams. So I don't think Owen two is necessarily deserved based on how they've played. I'm it, Dane's got to protect the ball better for me or else uh, the game with, with Winnipeg could just get totally out of hand with that defense. Well, on that positive note uh, for Ticats fans, thanks, DT. Appreciate this as always. Uh, Carriel Brooks for the win, though. Uh, there you just, go. Man, be a- Micah Johnson was trucking some people in that Calgary game. Man, he he looks just the same as he did last year. That's a real force on the inside. Tunde Adelke in that safety spot. We oh. talked about him a lot this week. Ten tackles last week with that sack and then you know, those tackles that don't show up on the score sheet where you knock the ball right out of guys' hands and you get a couple of those as well. So should be a fun one. Hopefully it's a fun one. If you see Paul Friesen down there at walkthrough, can you yeah. give him a hard time for making me uh, read his last article where he went detail by detail by detail into that last interception at the Grey Cup because that was painful to read and I was trying to do all my prep this week. So just give him a hard time for me today because that one was tough to read today. <laughs> Will do. This has been Speaking with the Enemy DT. Appreciate it as always. Thanks, buddy. I'm Louis Bucko for the Ticats Audio Network. Thank you.